If you've got a question, the voices of writers in our head. Last Chicks is an SP sponsored podcast. Hey, Come Lindsay, on. how's it going? Oh, it is just a lovely fall day over here. I love that. Love Get it. I love that for you. It's um, I don't know. I don't. I don't usually go outside anymore. But I have something that <laughs> I'm really. A few things today that I'm really excited to show you. Um, here's one. Pants. I'm actually wearing real pants today. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So, uh, like I'm wearing, our, I'm wearing leggings. Full disclosure. Okay. <laughs> so, so unlike Lindsay, I um I uh, don't have to go into the plant. I'm I've been working remotely. Um, and if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I like to get dressed up every day. But the past couple months. Might might not always include pants. Might be some athletic shorts, athleisure shorts. You know what? That works just as well. And I'm actually working from home today, which is why I went the leggings route. So very I'm not mad nice, about my choices. Nice. I support it. I support it. Um, I have some other fun things that that I semi have prepared. Um, oh, okay. but maybe we should we should first of all introduce ourselves. I'm Mercedes Landazri. I'm, I'm with Techmer PM. I'm counselor for color and appearance division. And I am Lindsay Neville. I am the uh, vice president of membership engagement for the executive board. And I work as a plastics engineer for Tech Tank in Erie, Pennsylvania. And I love your hair color, by the way. We're both finally redheads just, again. Yeah, I just wanted yeah. to be on the redhead team. Bubble awesome. little feisty. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Um, uh, we So we have a monthly podcast. It's released the first Friday of every month, uh, sponsored by SPE. Um, it's not always women, even though it's called plastics, um, contrary to popular belief. Get that question a lot. <laughs> look, at um, our, look at our resume. It's got lots of people. But I've heard that it is one of the most popular uh, uh, plastics podcasts on the interwebs. Um, that is not anti-plastics. A lot. I, how many are, must there be? You know what? I'm going to take the title. I'm just going to take it and be excited. Take it. We, uh, we've, you know, we've surpassed 3000 downloads. So that's pretty cool. That is actually really cool. Um, yes, so like I said, I have, before we introduce our guests, I do have a few fun things that I wanted to show you today. Um, and I don't remember what they were. Oh yes. Okay. So, uh, I'm, I'm really sad that we couldn't meet in person for retech, uh, Many, many of you know, um, I, I'm on the board for, for Retech. I was part of the planning committee, and it's one of my favorite events of the year, um, in, including personal events, right? Like, <laughs> I just love Retech, and I want to give a special shout out to a couple of my friends that I really miss that, um, that I usually see at Retech, Adam on the West Coast, and then um, Emily uh, out in North Carolina. So I miss you guys a lot. I hope you're doing well. And then the, my, but my show and tell. Okay. So yes. this, you probably can't see it very well, but. No, but I'll take your was, word for it. This was a speaker gift mm-hmm. from uh, Antec, the color and appearance session. It's uh, Antec in Detroit. So it's from the Henry Ford. And it oh, says you fancy. can have any color. It's black on black. And it says you can have any color you want as long as it's black. So I love it. And you then, know what? I actually, when I got dressed this morning, I was like, is black and white too like. Am I just stepping outside the lines or am I stepping directly into the lines? Yeah. Or, you know, they're, they're really important colors. Yeah. That's, that's the way I see it. <laughs> and then, um, and then the other thing that I wanted to show my last little show, oh, 
I was going to wear a badge too. I forgot. You almost just swear on our podcast. (laughs) I almost just swore on our podcast. It's okay. They can beep it when we actually release it a couple months from now. But um, (laughs) this was my room key from Retech 2019, Um, rocking color in Cleveland. You can see the logo there. Um, We have uh, actually um, one more show and tell thing. I know I'm being a little bit crazy, but this is, I love Retech and I'm missing everyone so much. But, um, I have nothing to show and tell. I would have brought something. Well, you you came to Retech in South Carolina and then you ditched us before it actually started. Do you remember? I did, yes, because yeah. my flight left. <laughs> so so we, we typically have um, a, a unique logo for every location. That was mm-hmm. uh, that was last year. So if you serve on the board or if you participate in, in um, the planning committee, you usually get one of these, one of these little guys. So um, I was on my first planning committee last year, so that's that's my only one. But if you go uh, and see somebody like Brian West, he has, I don't know, maybe 15 or of those guys. Dedicated just yeah. to these. Um, and I think that ends my show and tell. <laughs> that's a bummer. I kind of enjoyed this session. We should do this more often. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited that Retech's happening in general. If, if you haven't registered, you still have time to run or walk the, the 5K fun run. Um, that we have every year. So you can, you can participate virtually. Yeah, in that. I'll get on that right away. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, you know, I guess I'll just like introduce our guest then. Uh, oh my gosh. Well, okay. Our guest today, um, we are pretty jazzed about him and, but I'm going to say your last name wrong because here's the thing. That's just my thing. It's, I'm just always going to say last names wrong. So we have, Adam Reins, right? Or is the other I pronounced? Go ahead, just correct me now. Let's get Reinitz. it over with. Yeah, you got it close enough. It's Reinitz. Okay. I mean, I'm coming from some pretty easy last names, and mine still get mispronounced. So I feel like I just got to spread that love. <laughs> I, I I think you know that I've heard much much worse than that. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, I was in the ballpark, so we're we're participating. Um, and so Adam is coming to us from Kimoris and he is, um, was, oh, sorry. You know what? I am really unprepared. I'm working yeah, off Adam, of one screen today. Let's go ahead and let you introduce yourself today. Adam, that, that, that's you fine. I, I will happily introduce myself. Um, I am an offering management consultant with Kimoris Titanium Technologies. Gonna miss um, those words. And I am focused in the plastics industry. Um, so... My Camores works with TiO2 primarily in terms of what I'm interested in. And there's a lot of TiO2 that goes into plastics. And it's kind of my job to understand um, how it's being used in different plastics and really what the direction of the plastics market kind of looks like and what it looks like for TiO2. I'm sorry, one second. My dog is being a... Uh... <laughs> you That's know what? Cool. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm going to use this moment to mention that, um, you know, I I, uh, I was looking for Camores on Instagram. I'm not sure that they have an Instagram, but I was looking, you know, under Camores, and then I was like, oh, maybe it's TIO2. Surprised to find that that's, that Instagram handle is open. So if you want the So TIO- now Mercedes, long story short, Mercedes owns that <laughs> Instagram handle. For the, for the low, low price of... <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome, Adam. That I think that I met dangerous. you. 
I think that I met you for the first time at Retech um, two years ago, eighteen, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That and, was uh, a very fun Retech. You really uh, broke me into SPE. It was a great time. Yeah. Was well, that the I, one I in Charleston? Charleston? That was the one in Charleston. Yeah. So, okay. so you you also just missed Lindsay, okay. but uh, but yeah, it was it's it's so exciting to get young people involved in the industry um, to really get them engaged with SPE. Um, because I mean, I know, you know, personally, and I think Lindsay can say the same, um, you know, the, the more involved you are really the, the, and, um, in, in SPE and the association volunteering, the more you get out of it. So I always, anytime I see younger people, I, I try to rope them in and, and get them on board. So you, you then got involved in, um, yeah, we're very well, aggressive. Actually, let's Lindsay, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> you wrote the agenda, <laughs> you wrote the agenda, Lindsay, Way like, off. kick the reins. Oh, I was going to let you go with your thing. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, just to add on to that, like, you know, whenever we do see young professionals getting involved, that's that's something that I know that's a passion of both of ours because um, we're, we're very young, but I suppose there are people younger than us at this point, whatever. Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, Adam, I know you obviously you're involved with the young professionals committee, formerly known as the next generation advisory board. Um, and I always feel like I have a, a special appreciation, um, for color and appearance because I feel like it's kind of the gateway SPE. Like, I feel like people get like lulled into like, Oh, look at this. This place is really great. This place is really cool. And then we trap them and we sign them up for more stuff and they have no <laughs> idea what hit them. I think it's about I, I will neither confirm or deny how this this is how I got into SB. <laughs> I know it is. I know it is. Um, all right. So how, you know, obviously plastics isn't necessarily like uh, everybody knows about, hey, I want to be a plastics engineer when I grow up. So how did you get into this industry? Yeah. So my interest in polymer science that ultimately brought me into SBE really had nothing to do with polymers at all originally, as you kind of framed out there. Um, I was studying material science at Johns Hopkins, and really I just wanted to do research and I wanted to work in really cool labs. And Johns Hopkins had a lot of really cool labs, but because most of their very well-funded labs were biotech related, I went and did biomaterials research. That was kind of the natural place to go if I wanted to work with cool technology there. Um, my pivot towards plastics really happened when I decided against doing a PhD and I needed to figure out how to leverage what I learned in that lab for industry. So it was either on one hand, cell culture and biochemical analysis work, or on the other hand, it was things like material selection, processing and surface characterization um, with a really heavy focus on polymers. Simply put, cell culture is the worst. Nothing is worse than being out with friends on a Saturday night and realizing that you need to run into lab to keep your cells alive. So never ever wanting to touch cells ever again in my life. That's fair. I pushed my <laughs> career towards the polymer characterization direction. And it really just so happened that my skills from biotech really overlapped a lot with this work that DuPont Displays was doing um, with regards to solution processing organic LEDs um, to make flexible displays and things like that. Um, 
And so with this thin polymer processing as a connecting thread, my career jumped from biotech into electronics. And this work with DuPont Displays was super, super interesting. It's probably like the most cutting edge work I've ever done and maybe ever will do, um, which is actually why, um, speaking of that work, I'm super excited that I saw um, in our, in the SPE's Polymer and Electronics Conference, um, one of the technical fellows that I was working with, um, just to plug your uh, conference coming up, one of the technical fellows that October I was working 1st. with there, October 1st, yeah, um, will actually be presenting there on some of the uh, flexible displays technology that they've been developing there. Um, but so that was kind of my transition from where I really built my interest into polymers. And then I jumped over into um, Comores really because I wanted to expand beyond the research lab. I had spent my entire career in the research lab and I wanted to grow into the wider plastics industry. Um, and so now with Comores Titanium Technologies, where I still am today, um, I get to be in more of a customer facing role that allows me to learn about new polymer application and really challenges me to understand polymer properties and what the needs are of the end users of plastics and how that should impact the products that we're ultimately bringing to the market. Yeah, I love it's it. Funny. I, think, I think it's, it's uh, ironic too that you say that you know, with the with the um, biotech, with the cell world, you, you didn't want to have to be out with friends and then run back to the lab in the middle of the night. When you, and this is one of my favorite things about you, we can be out at like one in the morning at a bar and you're like deep in conversation, talking hardcore work with like another engineer. Like in, in, in working out. <laughs> so it's fun to be like- Yeah, but he doesn't have to leave. He can stay at the bar. That is the key. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Don't have I don't to mind leave. talking about science at the bar as long as I have to, don't have to go into the lab from the bar. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure it's probably frowned upon to bring the bar to the lab. So, um, yes, smart I choice, think son. so. Depends what kind Yeah, and I love that, like, your, your choice was basically, like, I don't want to do this, so I guess I'll go into plastics. And, like, that's kind of, I feel like a lot of people's stories is, like, you know, I, my original like first plastics class in high school, it was like, I don't want to take this. I think it was like a home ec class. So I was like, I'll take this. And that got me into plastics. And like, there's just, I feel like there's so many stories where people aren't like, yes, I want to be in plastics, but then they get there and they're like, Hey, this is pretty great. Yes. I, I would agree with that. It, it was pretty great. <laughs> and especially with just like, in terms of being a young person in plastics, it just, there's definitely a lot of growth opportunity within this field. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's kind of a vacuum forming in this industry and it's exciting to kind of see the opportunities that are being created from that vacuum. Which is why Mercedes and I trap young professionals. <laughs> just Absolutely. maybe not the preferred term. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about um, Comores and uh, your you have a corporate responsibility commitment in regards to TIO2? Um, yeah, so Comores really, I mean, they, in 2018, they launched this corporate responsibility commitment. And it's not just with regards to TIO2, it's really with regards to all their product lines. It just so happens that I personally get to see it um, very 
closely to how it's impacting the way that we're bringing new TIO2 offerings to the market and how we're maybe taking new looks at our existing TIO2 markets. Um, so just from a what this is standpoint, um, in 2018, we announced these 10 goals for 2030 that can range from reducing our carbon footprint to investing in the communities where we're living and where we're working. Um, and these goals are intended to help us stay accountable um, to our stakeholders, basically. People like our customers, the communities we're in, our investors, our regulators, and really position the company for long-term success in a world that more and more it needs to be focused on being more sustainable in order for us all to survive ultimately. Um, and so this effort has really helped to grow the way we think about all of our products. And for me, with regards to TIO2, um, it's been really interesting to see how we've been identifying ways that TIO2 plays into the plastic sustainability message. And again, this is me just playing into my polymer interest. It was really like, okay, we're, uh, we're a TIO2 company, but how does this tie into the sustainability goals of the plastics industry? And we're doing this, we're doing, um, we're really focusing in on different um, applications that we serve into and we're doing these, we're calling them these product sustainability risk assessments. What that basically means is we're trying to identify existing offerings that have some positive sustainability impact. And also when we're trying to bring new offerings, we're trying to prioritize opportunities that maybe have a positive sustainability impact using those UN sustainability development goals as kind of like a guidepost there. And there's really a lot of examples of these where TIO2 is kind of essential to the sustainable performance of plastics applications. Um, just to name a few, there's things like agricultural films, um, there's cool roofing, which is another really important one. Um, a lot of flexible packaging depends on TIO2 to provide light protection. Um, and there are also things like solar panels are using films with TIO2 in the back film to provide added solar reflectance. Uh, so there's a lot of these applications that have a lot of important sustainability impacts on the future of our world and a lot of different industries and trying to make sure um, both internally within Comores and that our stakeholders recognize that these are important areas to play in and we are trying to prioritize those areas because we think they're, we recognize they're important for their sustainability impact. Absolutely, you know, we see, we see a lot of these, um, these uh, end users, especially in, you know, um, consumer products making these pledges to get to X percent PCR by, by 2025 or 2030. Um, so it's wonderful to see suppliers doing that, getting getting on that train too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, like, we'll, do you... Go ahead, Lindsay. All, all over. Um, you know, do you feel like, I know you're trying to, you know, get these out there for your stakeholders and um, have your stakeholders kind of, you know, recognize and see that you are a big player in the sustainability and like the commitment and all that. Um, do you find that like, some of the, do you find a lot of, the, not necessarily public, public, but the people down the line, how do you educate them about, you know, when they say, you know, you guys aren't doing enough for sustainability and you're like, 
we are, you just don't understand what our stuff is doing for you. <laughs> you know, is that, yeah, is think, that something that you guys struggle with or? I mean, I think that's a given challenge of being a supplier at the top of the market is we right. are fundamentally disconnected from the customer. Um, but despite this, we try to communicate to our customers the role that TIO2 is playing um, to, for them to achieve their sustainability goals. So if we talk about cool roofing, for instance, where you're trying to keep a house cool to make it more energy efficient, that's working because that white roof is reflecting sunlight. Right. And the reason why it's reflecting sunlight is because of the TIO2 that's incorporated into that, class, that uh, film is 90% solar reflective and is doing an excellent job of keeping the light out to maximize the efficiency. So really communicating how our products are contributing to their ultimate performance. And that can then in turn help them market their product. They, and this ends up happening as sometimes uh, plastic product producers who are incorporating TIO2 who really recognize the benefit that TIO2 pro is providing are trying to speak to their customers about that benefit. We'll, you'll see marketing specifically about including TIO2 in this to provide solar protection and things like that. So it's kind of secondhand, but we try right. to achieve that connection in that way. We have a, a question from the audience, um, if you're game. Um, Mark Vincent from Chroma. Uh, Hi, Adam. I'm always fascinated by the two TIO2 manufacturing processes and their differences. Uh, in your analysis, uh, which TIO2 process is more sustainable, sulfate or chloride? That is a great question. I, I don't have a great answer because I have not been on the manufacturing um, side of the process. Um, my focus is more on the performance. What, what I can say, at least, is that the end product of, or the predominant end product from the chloride process um, is rutile TiO2. The sulfate process can produce both rutile or anatase TiO2, depending on the way that you process it. And at least in terms of the way, many of the ways that TiO2 can provide a sustainability benefit in terms of um, providing solar reflection, providing UV absorption to, to be a, um, to provide protection of like food packaging from UV degradation, things like that. Rutile TiO2 is much more effective than anatase TiO2. So simply the fact that the primary product from the chloride process is this rutile TiO2 that provides those performance benefits, at least from an offering standpoint, um, I think there, um, the end product has more of a sustainability benefit. Yeah, I feel like, you know, so much of the time when you're talking sustainability and triple bottom line, you have to like look at, take it from a holistic approach. It can't just mm -hmm. be about the manufacturing process. I mean, you know, if, um, well, plastic bags, right? You can absolutely 100% say that the manufacturing process for making a plastic bag is much more sustainable than, than for making a, a paper bag, right? But then you have to continue the analysis, right? The life cycle analysis. Um, not to not to get off topic here, <laughs> but but uh, but just looking at the manufacturing process, um, you know what what would be the goal if you're not looking at the whole, you know, the gestalt. I think I might have frozen here. 
That's, that's, that's not that. ideal. <laughs> okay, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Well, we may have lost our guest. Always great. See, now this would be the time for um, show and tell. Okay, yeah, I got. I was just so excited about reaching. You got, you got way ahead of yourself, um, and now, now we don't have, we don't have Adam. We don't have show and tell. I brought there nothing. Are, are we there back? back? There we go. <laughs> okay, we just talked about you, you apparently. <laughs> oh, wonderful! <laughs> I'm terrified of what you said, but <laughs> all good things. Um, so, so, you know, obviously this is the question we have to ask everyone since we're all sitting on a virtual conference instead of a physical fun bar inclusive conference. Um, how has your, like, how's your industry supply kind of been affected by this pandemic? Have you guys been impacted? Have you been able to manage it? Um, everything's on fire. I mean, honestly, it's been kind of amazing how we really have been able to not be impacted by it and really I mean certainly the way that we are conducting business has been impacted in terms of the way that we're doing work at the plants and the safety protocols that we've had to put in place to really make sure that we can continue um, producing the product that we need to be producing for our customers but really throughout the whole pandemic and throughout the recent crazy hurricane season and we've really just been consistently been able to maintain our supply and really have had zero hiccups in a from a production standpoint and that's been really great to see and encouraging to see that our plants have been able to adapt so well to just what the new normal is and the safety protocols that they need to have in place at the plant to protect themselves um, and really we've had no uptick in safety incidents as a result of any of this. And we've had no disruption of supply, which is really something that we pride ourselves on from a standpoint of delivering to the customers what they need to get. And it's been really reassuring to see that um, we've always, we always claim to be able to consistently deliver supply to our customers, no matter what happens. But this was really like, uh, a, a, test, test. <laughs> a test of that um, and to see that we we're able to deliver on it was uh, as someone who has to interact with customers and tell them like we have we have the supply reliability to now be able to use this as a backing point for that it's been um, a nice a nice bonus to um, or like a silver lining bonus is the wrong word the silver lining is probably the <laughs> way I would frame it so you you're customer facing correct Yes, uh, mm -hmm. sometimes. <laughs> so how many now with the current pandemic, how many hours a day would you say you spend on video calls? Or is it mostly just regular calls? I would say it's more regular calls than, than video calls. I, I think um, from, from my experience in these customer interactions, there's more who just would prefer not to be on a video than would then want to be on a video. But I, I think that really depends on the nature of your relationship with the, um, who, who, who you're talking to. And um, it's probably been a maybe 70, 30 split with, uh, without versus with video. Yeah. I feel like in the beginning, everybody was like, all right, let's use our cameras. Let's pretend we're real. And then it's like, 
couple months in, it's like, guys, I haven't showered in days. Let's, let's keep this video <laughs> free. Let's just all, I'll call it what it is. Don't make me put on makeup. Thank you. Well, you know, it, it's funny, like, uh, you see, so, you know, I, I, I try to attend as many design events a year as I can and, and looking at like trends, um, there's this big trend to, to create togetherness. And if you look at Microsoft teams, or if you look at, say, for example, CAD Retex, um, you know, our, our, um, SPE CAD one, I think is the, the Instagram handle for, um, for SPE, uh, color and appearance division which is um, owned also by you <laughs> yes <laughs> yes but you can see uh, microsoft teams has incorporated a feature called together mode so if you go instead of just gallery mode or something within teams you can look and see everybody sitting together in auditorium seating and it really uh, encourages people to turn on their cameras it's super it's just super like, realistic yeah so so actually on our last uh cadre tech planning call uh, I made everybody turn on their camera so we could do a, a together mode picture. Nice. I'm going to have to give that a try. I haven't uh, tried together mode in teams yet. Oh, it's, it'll, it'll bring, it'll bring joy to your team. <laughs> <laughs> or pain either way. <laughs> it'll bring something. Um, yeah. So if you're able to share with us, um, what are some of the new exciting projects you're, uh, you're working on with Morris? Um, yeah. So I guess keeping with the sustainability theme of really what I've been talking about so, so far, um, I, I guess what's been exciting me most has been projects that are really uh, leveraging off of the whole responsibility commitment and driving us towards a sustainability future. And I think we have two examples of things uh, that are both ongoing and have recently been accomplished that really reflect this. Um, in terms of recently been accomplished, we actually just had uh, one of our grades of TIO2 um, became the first grade of TIO2 to be certified as harmless within a composting process. Um, and this is really important in terms of use in biodegradable polymer applications where you, where you expect to be composting, whether it's a package, whether it's just whatever the product is. Um, you expect to this to be degrading and the end product to be going back into the environment. So we did testing to basically validate that this TIO2 is safe to be returning back into the, the environment. Um, and I think that's just a great example of really preparing for a future where we are going to have sustainability as the core to the plastics industry. And there's going to be more consideration of what makes a plastic sustainable. And I'm sure one of those solutions is going to be biodegradable plastics. Um, another one that I think is um, really cool is this project that we're working on in Europe right now um, with, I believe it's, I, I might get this wrong and I'm gonna have someone internally correct me on this, but I think it's the uh, with the Belgian government and a few companies in Belgium, but I might be having that country wrong. Um, but in any case, it's this project called, yep, exactly. <laughs> it's this project called uh, Remove to Reclaim. And the goal of this project is to try to better, under, to better understand the role TIO2 is having in the recycling of plastics. And really right now there's, we, we know there are some challenges of recycling plastics with TIO2, um, particularly in those like sink float separators. TIO2 adds weight because it 
has a high bulk density. Um, it adds weight to the plastic, which could influence the separation and you could not, not necessarily sort your polymers the way that you wanna have them sorted because TiO2 is present. So really the goal of this project is to be able to detect TiO2 in plastics, which should be doable. It's very, it interacts with light really well. So being able to detect it should be doable. Um, then being able to sort out plastics that contain TiO2. And then this is really from a TiO2 producer standpoint, it gets really cool is then we're gonna try to figure out how we can actually extract the TiO2 back out, both so the polymer can be reused as a recyclate, and we could then return the TiO, hopefully we'll have to, when we get to that point, return the TiO2 to our process so that we can then recycle the TiO2 itself as well um, to make our own process a little bit more um, sustainable. Um, and then it, the end of this being that we will both have a more sustainable TiO2 process, and then also you'll still be getting a cleaner recyclate out of the end of this process. So I think that's a really cool project that we're working on. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, it's always nice to see those those efforts to, you know, maybe go back and not do necessarily the easiest thing, but um, to put in the effort and show the commitment to sustainability and forward thinking and all that, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. Which I'm sure it's classified as that officially. Mm -hmm. that. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, those sound pretty uh, great. Uh, do we want to move on to our, our fun quiz? I'm super excited for this. Well, it might not be that fun, but whatever. Okay, so I see that you're working from home. Mm -hmm. Nice that that wall from the uh, young professionals no. meetings. Yep, uh, I call it my EBSD wall, electron backscatter detector. It's kind of it kind of looks like uh, the data that comes out of the. Yep, I'm a nerd. I know. I love it. <laughs> I, I think it's. I, that. I totally should recognize that. <laughs> I, it was on the tip of my tongue. I was like, it's uh, and then I was like, oh, I don't know. It's that wall. Um, so, um, I guess the first question is, are you going into work at all, or are you totally at home right now? I am totally at home right now. As someone who's kind of more on the commercial side of the organization at this point. Um, there's really no reason. For, actually, I, I, I'm based out of our headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware, and our headquarters are pretty much hardly open at least until January at this point. And I don't expect to be back in the office at least until January, if not longer than that. Okay. Which I'm so, okay. I like working from home. <laughs> we'll see. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes you don't have to wear pants like Mercedes. Um, yep. Sometimes you can't throw I, on pants. I will not acknowledge my current pants situation. <laughs> then neither will we. Don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> um, so that brings me to my game, and it's called, um, it's really catchy. It's called Home Office or Work Office. Um, put a lot of time into this. And basically, I'm going to go through and ask you some things, and you have to tell me what is the better office for these situations or the worst office. Just you, you'll see. It's not a hard game. It, I came up with it while I was eating my sandwich before uh, I made the agenda. So I'm slightly um, nervous, but okay. <laughs> we wouldn't throw anything super scary at you. 
No, no, never. Not completely. Um, which office has more interruptions? Home office, work office? Uh, home office, definitely. You got to experience one with my dogs. It's, it's always the same interruption, but it's definitely more frequent. <laughs> more often. So you don't have like a, a Janet from accounting or anything like that, the work office. I am no, no. Score, and, so I will tell and, you. And our office has like these huddle rooms that we can, like it's an open office mm-hmm. kind of, which means that you would think there'd be room for disruptions, but because we have like these huddle rooms that we can isolate in, if we have an actually like important meeting, um, that kind of reduces the disruption there. Um, and I do not have a dog who howls at a doorbell every uh, hour in my uh, Listen, work office. He's just looking out for you. He's just protecting you from the dangers outside. I, I know that's what you think she's doing. Lindsay doesn't have a dog, but she has a really nasty cat that just pushes every, it's, it'll just like look straight at her and be like, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> like anything that's up on a counter. It's don't, don't count on it. It's just going to be on the floor. It's a real son of a gun. That's his name is Ralph. So he's probably mad about his name, but whatever. Um. Oh, next one. Uh, what office has the better view? Which office is there? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with my home office. I think my, my, my work office has like a view inside of the building. It's like an office building that's mm-hmm. kind of like built around and like, you, there's not a courtyard down there. They're just like kind of a roof down there. But here, like, I've got a Less backyard exciting. back there. There's actual like sunshine coming in here. It's, it's a that's different. good. Yeah, my, uh, my work office actually has a really, it just has like a window and there's a, a great, grapevine yeah grapevine growing behind it I was gonna say a grape tree and I'm like that's not real um and it's it's great except people will walk by and eat grapes off of it and that it's not great when you have people walking behind you and you're unaware of it um, which office has the better co-workers that's you can you can pass we should say that Adam is newly married and so that's my, my, my wife works in manufacturing. She's going into the office. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go, with, go with the work office. I definitely uh, miss having people around as much as um, my dog makes wonderful company during the day. Um, he's not quite human interaction. And I frankly, I got out of the research lab and into like the commercial side of the plastics industry to have more human interaction. So I definitely do miss that aspect of it. Okay, that's fair. Um, that's what I was going to say about the view. Like, that's why I would pick like my office view instead, even though there's no like exterior windows. It's like, I miss looking at people. Mm. (laughs) I miss looking at the people that I work with. That's, that's fair. Um, I'm still looking at the people, so I'm good. (laughs) Um, which office has better cafeteria food? Um, I guess, I guess I'll go with the, uh, the work office. We're kind of right, right downtown in Wilmington. So in addition to like our headquarters building has like this nice, like it's called Deco down there. It's like this nice food space where there's a lot of different types of food down there, but you can mm-hmm. also just like walk right outside and you're in the middle of the, not a big city, but you're in the middle of the city. So there's literally anything you could want to eat. That's not bad. Well, that leads me to my second part of that question. Where do you order more food from, home or work? Probably home, I guess. I don't order that much food. 
I, I have a lot of food-based questions. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this my, written well hungry. We, 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 we love cooking here. So uh, that, that's been like the, the plus for us. So that, that's kind of the, the push is like I ate, I would eat out more there, I suppose, mm-hmm. but um, I don't really miss that that much because uh, I got some really good home cooking going on out, over here. So very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I just fixed myself up some cereal when I'm at home. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'm quite at that level. But like, um, when Dan, doesn't Danny make you ham loaf though on the reg? He does. He does. And actually uh, my mother-in-law is here today. So she made us sandwiches that I had to, I started it, but I put it aside because I started this. <laughs> Um, um, which office has the better desk setup? Yeah, that's got to be work. My home office has gotten nice now. Like I've got the two screens here and stuff, but there, 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 I got to sit stand desk and that, that I Mm, miss dearly. That is key. That is key. Um, which let's see, which office do you take more walks in? Oh, definitely home office because, again, the dog whines for his walks. <laughs> I, as, as you can see, the dog is like a defining feature of my home office, both in sometimes good, sometimes bad ways. Um, all right. Last one is uh, which, which office gives you the better end of the day routine? Like I know with, when I'm at home, I don't really have a hard stop for my end of the day. Uh, but when I'm at work, I also come home, basically take off any pants I have and lay on the couch until my children force me to take care of them. Um, so it's, it's, it's a toss up for me. For, for me, it's going to be home office because I've learned to enjoy working from like 8 to 10 p.m. Like, I don't know why. I just really like so I'll just like do a bunch of work in the morning into the early afternoon and then I'll just kind of like stop working for a while and then I'll pick it up later. So it really has like, because I don't feel compelled, like, okay, I'm in the office during the hour, right. these hours. So I need to work during these hours. I can really just like work whenever I'm feeling productive, um, which means like, Hey, it's a beautiful afternoon. I don't need to be sitting at my desk right now. I'll just sit at my desk later. Um, so Damn. I really like that about, so it's less, it definitely has blurred that line a little bit. Like I'm, it's not like I leave work and I don't touch work again until tomorrow, which was probably the case when I was going into the office. Um, But I think it's been a net benefit for me. It also helps that I had a 40 minute commute that I don't have to do anymore, but. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So what would you do on your commute that, uh, that you're not doing now? Like were you, what's that? Listen to podcasts. That's what I would have been doing. And Mm -hmm. now it's uh you're behind. My, 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 my wife's been loving it. I've just been getting chores done. I've been like an extra hour and a half of my day. She, uh, she was joking yesterday that it's been like three months since she's had to fold a piece of laundry because it's just like, I have an extra hour and a half in my day, basically. <laughs> that, that is uh, a good use of that time, I will say. Um, it helps well, that I can't sit still. <laughs> <laughs> just for the you record, your home office is so important. <laughs> yeah, sit, stand. Um, your home office and your work office came out perfectly even. So you will be, you'll be fine in whatever environment you're in. <laughs> That's my 17 magazine uh, assessment of this quiz. <laughs> Love it. Love it. 
Um, well, Adam, uh, if you could give us one piece of advice for um, for people uh, thinking about um, getting into the plastics industry, because of course this is going to be broadcast on you know apart from from all retail. the things. Um, if you give one piece of advice to a young person in the plastics industry, or somebody thinking about getting into the plastics industry, what would it be? I, I guess it's kind of to keep an open mind about what plastics can mean. And that especially now that in my current role, I have really a high level view of the plastics industry. There's a, a lot of super cool applications for polymers and you can really do whatever you want within the scope of the plastics industry. And you shouldn't feel like regardless of what your first job in the industry is or what work you're doing in college with related to plastics, you should, don't need to be necessarily limited to some narrow field within plastics, particularly because most companies within the plastics industry have a need for young talent. So if you're interested in polymers and you have a little bit of experience relevant to the plastics industry, that's probably enough to get you in a lot of doors within this industry. So mm-hmm. kind of keep your mind open, figure out what interests you and just go out and try and get it. And you probably can. And really networking at things like Antec or Retech or places like that is probably a great way to really go ahead and get it because there you really get to meet the people who can make it happen. Or get trapped by people like me and Mercedes. Or or like me get trapped by uh, Mercedes. <laughs> it was the best kind of trapping ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not complaining, just stating facts. <laughs> Well, well Adam Reynolds, thank you so much for joining us today. Really, uh, really uh, a joy to see you um, and to have you on the podcast. And thank you so much um, for ho- having me. Hopefully yeah. we'll see you uh, live at Antech um, and or live Retech uh, next year. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, guys. If you've got a question, the voices are rising, I hear. Oh, plastics. Thanks, everyone.